This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. Uh, We are uh, continuing our discussion about the anniversary of Influencers. It's our 20-year anniversary this year, 20-year birthday. And uh, so Rocky Fleming, our founders, are with us. Welcome, Rocky. Thank you. We're on part three now. Is that right? Part three. Yeah. I was thinking about how you've you used to refer to us as a pimply faced teenager. <laughs> yeah. So may, maybe we're like a, a one of those young adults, like a millennial. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we can no, draw some comparisons. No. I, I think that we're still got a few pebbles on us. <laughs> I think so too. We're still growing, and we you know we don't. Pr- expect that we know that much about we're just trying to be faithful but uh but we uh we were just talking about uh i i told rocky i'd like to have a part three because i don't think we really got into the lessons learned and uh and then the other thing is um thinking about the fruit of the ministry you know because because the whole thing started with this idea that if you abide in me you'll bear fruit and i I just wanted i wanted to ask rocky uh, okay, has that been true? Now, now, twenty years later, is that true? Have we been? Has there been fruit born? And and we know there has been, but I want to talk about it. Uh, yeah. And uh, in as we talk about that, I was I was reminded of the verse in Revelation where there's a great battle described between the people of God and and the devil, and and it says they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, by Jesus, and also by the word of their testimony. And there's something powerful about the word of our testimony. And that's why we're always trying to share testimonies about Jesus. And there, sometimes that's what draws a non-believer to come and want to know this Jesus when they see hear our testimonies. So testimony is very important. So we hope today we can share a little testimony. We can share some lessons learned and all that. So, Rocky, where would you like to, to jump in on uh, on lessons learned? And, and we'll get into some of the fruit as well. I think the most... Uh... Um, impactful testimony is when we're, we're, we're speaking it from personal experience. Now, there are a lot of testimonies out there that theorize about what, who God is and how good he is. And, and there's enough scripture to do that. Uh, th- we should adore him and because of who he is, but there, there's another aspect too, Brian, and that is what happens when we have a personal experience with him. And a testimony is a, something that happened at one time, but it's also a testimony of what's going on right now. And I tend toward thinking that we oftentimes park out on what happened rather than what's happening, mm. uh, right? But at the same time, remember that the Lord told the, the Israelites to stack those stones in the river and so you can look back and see where you come from. And then he instructed them to tell their children. Uh, and keep that going, because the reason why is people forget. Uh, people have a tendency to forget. They start taking things for, for granted. And uh, and I think that what we've seen in the last 20 years is such a state of dependence on the Lord, but also such a state of being so well supplied uh, beyond anything we could imagine. And I'm not just talking about financial. We've been adequately supplied there. We're not, we 
we don't have a big abundance by any stretch of the imagination, but we we sure have enough to be comfortable. And and God is very uh, faithful to supply all of our needs according to the need, and and more so more so. It's given us the ability to be generous too. Uh, but the the thing that God has supplied us has been beyond the financial. It's been it's people. It's people that have uh, understood understood firsthand from their testimony, their personal testimony of this encounter with the Lord, not what happened, but what is happening. Because we, yeah, we have 20 years uh, behind us, but we also have people that have been 20 years part of this and, and still going Mm. and their lives are still impacting other lives. And so, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a living testimony. Uh, it is something that is hard to match because it's experiential. There's an old saying that I say oftentimes, and that is uh, that experience trumps theory all day long. And so when we are in a discussion with people about Jesus Christ and their non-believers, especially the younger generations that we see now, they have a question, and it's a good question, and that is, I don't want you to tell me about Jesus as far as who he is. I want you to tell me about Jesus, who he is to you. What has he done for you that makes me want to know him? That seems to be the biggest questions. They want authenticity. Mm. And I and I do believe that because of the relationship that we are enjoying with him through the abiding relationship, it flows out of us and it's seen. It just bubbles up and it just observed uh, in the lives that we've seen uh, that have been impacted. And so I would say that's one of the big testimonies of the last 20 years are, are the many lives that have been impacted and how they've impacted other people as well. Mm. You know, I, I think uh, I just want to, I felt like to bring this up, but uh this started out as a men's endeavor in the beginning. We talked about that in one of our just previous podcasts. But uh, I look back at I look back at 1990, and that was when uh, a book called "Man in the Mirror" came out, and it was a real popular book for men, Christian book written by a business guy, Patrick Morley out of Florida. And then that was the same year that Promise Keeper started, where they where Bill McCartney had the idea to gather men. And then it, you know, it took off in the mid '90s. In 1996, a million men went to Promise Keeper conferences in America. And this is just America. We're not even talking about the rest of the world. But I guess I want to get your impression on this, Rocky. I feel like it was an awakening. There was an awakening of men in the '90s. And um, but but what they found is these men were awakened. They went back to their churches, and churches didn't know what to do with these guys. And and nobody was really telling these guys what to do next. What you know, they they got them. They showed them a picture of something, of of a godly being a godly man, but they didn't know how to coach them into walking it out. And uh, and you know, there were different things as we've talked about accountability groups and different things tried. But uh, I feel like God's raised us up to help continue that work. All those awakened men. I think I think this country's got hundreds of thousands of hungry men who are just saying, "Show me how to how to live this life." What do you think about that? Well, Brian, my my experience with both of those ministries, I've I've had some, uh, especially with Promise Keepers. I've been to several 
of their events, and they they were blessings to me. But I think you know my story that in 1985 is when I uh, came to John 15, and it 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 marked my life at that point. It began a process for me that in 1994, when you these same dates that you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Is when I I was not involved in any of those ministries, didn't know about them, but I I had a personal consecration of my life based on the revelation that the Lord had given to me about uh, abiding in Christ. And now to say when I went to Dallas to a Promise Keepers conference there, or Memphis, or Little Rock, uh, and I've been to a couple of them in Dallas, you know, at the time. Was I inspired? Yes. Was I glad I was there? Yes. Did it uplift me? Yes, it did. But it didn't sustain. But what did sustain me was that uh, daily, early morning times with being with the Lord, uh, learning to abide with Him more deeply and letting Him walk me through the steps of life that I don't think any of those could do. they can inspire, but they can't walk you through the steps of life. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that if you also look back, how many ministries that you can remember back in that era were preaching and teaching on the abiding relationship with Christ? Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of it. I'd no. never heard anyone talking about it. No. And yet, I believe this, and I think all of the influencers believe it, it's probably been the most overlooked and forgotten important message of all times for the the um, sanctification process of a, of a Christian. Because the sanctification period is that period between receiving Christ and then being glorified in heaven. So that's our living out, our relationship with Christ here on earth is the sanctification process. And abiding in him is key to that because that's where the transformation of of his characteristics transferring to us this is where cr- true christ likeness starts happening and the and the purpose of sanctification is to both seal us for redemption to carry safely there but also to help us grow up in in our relationship with christ and becoming more like him and yet we have not preached abiding I, all my life, I never heard it. Mm. I never heard it. I never saw anything written on it. And uh, I do look back at some of the classic writers, um, like uh, Chambers, and some others that were a little bit mystical. And and you read in their writings that that they're 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 seeing it. They were seeing that deeper walk. They were seeing that abiding relationship, and it was bubbling out of their ministries. And and I think that's where I got kind of, other than the scriptures, I kind of got schooled with some of the classics, some of the older folks, because they had something. And as the years have passed, I think the church, the Western church especially, became modernized. And it was about handling people. It is about motivating people, and it's about gathering people. And um, But I don't know if the discipleship, the true discipleship of taking uh, believers into close proximity with Christ, I, I don't remember it. 
In all you know, the churches I, I attended, I, I I don't remember that being a mission. I, I wanted to bring this up real quick. Is um, in the early two thousands, I heard about discipleship, um, yeah. but nobody really knew what it. You know, nobody could really describe what that was. You know, is that just a Bible study? Is it just a a program? Like what one guy uh, that came to speak to a group of us in Tulsa, and he said, most people have discipleship as one of about twenty things the church, their local church, does. When really, discipleship is the whole enchilada. It should the whole thing should be discipleship. But even that, you wrote in your book Proximity you tried to explain your philosophy about discipleship and, and, and it was tied to the abiding. Now, nobody was talking about abiding as a way to be a disciple and to go make disciples. No, no. And discipleship, I was involved with discipleship programs back in the seventies. And so, uh, and I, I, I led a lot of them. I had a lot of people that, that I took through them and, and, and typical of the program back then was that heavy emphasis on the disciplines. And the disciplines would be uh, to legalistically have your quiet time because you have to be signed off on it uh, to learn to share your faith using non-church cliches uh, to be able to explain a a typical uh, uh, conversion plan such as Roman roads, uh, four spiritual laws, or some of the other others, and then to uh, memorize scriptures. Uh, and then you'd have Bible studies that would uh, try to educate. Sure. So there was accountability. There was truth. There was education. Uh, the relationships were horizontally driven, but there was nothing about a vertically oriented relationship building in any of them. And until I discovered the absolute mystery and magic of the abiding relationship with Christ. I did not connect the dots to what true discipleship is. And I don't see myself as a disciple maker. I see myself as a guide to help people get in proximity with the Holy Spirit where he will disciple them. I ultimately believe it is the Holy Spirit that disciples us, that we have to biblically understand what gets in the way of that, what hinders that relationship, what hinders us being able to hear him. And once we start to identify those hindrances and lay them down, it moves us closer, closer to him. And then when we move into the abiding relationship, transformation occurs. This is where true disciple-making happens. Mm. And so we're kind of borrowing it when we're saying we're a discipleship ministry. Uh, we're we're trying to get people to be discipled is the way mm -hmm. I look at it. Um, I think the disciplines are good, Brian. I don't I don't have any problem with that. You know, I, I've memorized a lot of scriptures. You hear me pull them up a lot. And it came because of that period of time. But but the problem is that my heart was hard then. I could cut people uh, it, with several slashes with the Word of God, just tear them up. Because, man, I knew the Scriptures and memorized them, and they sat there mumbling because, no, I, they hadn't done that. So I was pridefully feeling good about myself, and the Spirit was kicking at me like crazy, and he was telling me, you hadn't got it, son. You don't understand. 
your heart is far from me. Mm. And yet I was doing the program. I was doing the things that you're supposed to do in the discipleship programs, but my heart was far away. And the Lord uh, broke through to me and he said, son, he says, true discipleship connects someone's heart to my heart. Mm. This is where they learn what it means to be a disciple. Uh, and otherwise, the Pharisees would have got it. They knew all the stuff. They had all the knowledge of scriptures, but they were far from it because their hearts were hard. Mm. And so there could be Christian Pharisees that are legalistic in their approach to what discipleship is and miss the point. And I think truly that the church has missed the point for many years, especially the Western church. Uh, they've forgotten to, they forgot what Jesus said about abide in me and you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you won't bear fruit. And so much of our efforts are fruitless and we're frustrated, even though we, we give a, amazing amounts of our time and energies and monies to try to carry out the great commission, but we're ineffective. Uh, but we become highly effective when our, when all these things are enabled and, and these gifts and the fruit is enabled by proximity with Christ. Hmm. So those are the things that have just been the distinction with this ministry. Well, and I'm I'm think Rocky, I'm thinking also about the fact that I think a lot of people thought this whole idea of abiding and all that is really just more for the contemplative type of people or for the super educated or for leaders, you know, those who are super religious, whatever. And and you, Rocky, have said this is for everybody. This is this is a call. It was a clarion call from Jesus to all believers. It's not just for the elite not just for some people are going to find it. Some people are are fortunate enough to find it. It's for all people. And we've seen it. I think in 20 years now, we've seen it apply to all different kinds of men, all different scales of spirituality, all different demographic backgrounds, all different cultures. And then we found that women wanted to do this. We've talked about how it progressed outward into other areas. And uh, so I think, I think after 20 years, we can say, if you abide in Jesus, you will bear fruit. Don't you think so? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, see, we see the evidence of it. And, and that is the joy that there's a somewhat of a predictability that, uh, that if we continue to abide in Christ, there will be fruit. Uh, and we've got to make sure the ministry uh, stays with its heart. And I think that if we stay true to that, just like that message is 2,000 years old, it's still true from the time Jesus said it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's true today, and I think it'll be true 100 years from now if we keep doing it. And if, if we're still here, the church is still here, if influencers uh, hopefully will be here. I think that if the Lord pulls his hand around away from us, it'll be because we've left him, not him leaving us. And my prayer is that we'll not be so dumb to do that. But yeah. What, what, what uh, Rocky, what are some of the, you know, you, you, we always say in the journey experience trumps theory. Mm-hmm. So what, what are some fruits that you think you've seen, even just in your own journey groups or just things you've seen all around the country as we go travel into the different regions? Just give, give us some, give the people some examples. If you, if they were brand new to this ministry, they might be going, what are you talking about? What kind of fruit are you talking about? Give them some examples. Well, they're, they're, I think there are two fruit that are mentioned in John 15. Are, I believe that 
in my, in my experience here, there is a fruit of transformation that occurs in, a, in life. And this is when people begin to look and sound more like Jesus. And the, the people say, well, what am I? I mean, he dressed differently, a girl beard. I mean, what, what were you talking about here? Are you talking about a, a hippie? No, no, no. We're talking about the fruit of the spirit that's listed in, in Galatians 5. Um, and, and that becomes evident. Uh, we begin seeing that in people uh, pretty early on as they get closer to the fire. They start heating up, so to speak. Uh, but then there's also the the fruit of reproduction that occurs. This is this is an evangelistic fruit. A disciple uh, discipleship is not exclusively educating uh, believers to learn to abide in Christ. Uh, it's also to help believers learn to help other people get to know Christ, and then follow that up by helping them to abide in Christ. Uh, I think a laborer. Uh, is one who is able to, uh, de my definition of a laborer that Jesus says pray for, is one who's able to reproduce. Uh, they're the ones who are able to effectively, skillfully, through their lifestyle, uh, share the plan of salvation in, in whatever way that they might use, whether it's just lifestyle or lifestyle evangelism, if they have a track, whatever. But uh, they're able to effectively convince someone about Jesus Christ and and the need to receive Him into their into their lives and the and and I think a laborer is equipped to do that. I think their life equips them through their influence that people see in them and 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 uh, I I know we've seen that that God brings people to us who just want to know this Jesus that we know. But then I think a laborer doesn't stop there. And this has been the failure with the, what I think is dissecting it and say, well, there's evangelism and their discipleship and, and neither meet. And that's wrong. They both meet. They're both the same. Because uh, discipleship is taking a new believer and helping them mature to the point where they can become reproducers, where they can become laborers. And so a laborer, reproduces a laborer and the whole process of childhood, babyhood, childhood, adulthood is what a disciple looks like. They start as babies and they grow up into adulthood and we're the ones that help them grow through the help of, of Jesus in our own life. That is the, the mission of the church is to make disciples and to build them up. Uh, the spiritual gifts that we're given is to build the body of Christ, uh, to encourage one another, to help each other enable our spiritual gifts to work together. All gifts are needed. They're needed to work together. They're, they're, they're not mavericks. They can't do anything out there by themselves. They all have got to, they require each other. And so I, I foresee that if the church in this day and time is going to advance to the point where we can make a big impact on a world that's desperately needing us. It's got to be all hands on deck. Mm. We've got to all, all be working and praying together. But when we are and when we do and when we will, we will see something amazing like maybe this world's never seen. Mm. Well, you know, I, I just I'm thinking about 
just real life stories I've seen and heard about. And I, I just, I'm amazed. Like just last week, I heard uh, somebody say that it, it was, was a women's journey group. And apparently one of the women in the group uh, found out in the middle of the group that her husband was having an affair. And, and this guide, female guide told me that if it wasn't for the journey, their marriage would have never survived yeah. because going through the journey helped this woman get in a place where she was able to forgive him and able to work through it. Whereas it just wouldn't, if she had not been, her heart had not been tenderized, it would have failed. Um, and, and there's just been so many stories of transformation of hearts and uh, forgiveness where people have forgiven people that they had unforgiveness for years that they were just harboring and bitterness, you know, become a root of bitterness. And, and they go and they get in this place of proximity with Christ. And he's like, when are you going to let go of that? Once you, once you let go of that for me, you know, and then they do it and it changed. We've seen transformation. We've seen the people that started in the journey are different than the people that not all, but a lot, a lot of the people that go through a journey, we've seen it. And I love those stories. Well, we've seen, we've seen and, and heard about hundreds of people's marriages that have been saved. Yeah. Uh, and, and we feel like we've, we can pretty well indicate from the other things that we've heard, we've heard thousands of marriages who have been positively impacted. Uh, we're, we're loving better, uh, serving better, enjoying each other better. I mean, those kind of things are fruits, <laughs> fruit of the spirit that's going on within the marriage. And there's another form of fruit, by the way, that you're asking. Uh, but we, but, for every story that we heard, I bet you there's a thousand we hadn't heard. Mm. Because, you know, we, we know that there's been tens of thousands that have gone through the journey, but we don't know the spinoffs. We don't know what, uh, what uh, lives have been impacted and how they've gone off with the Lord, by the way, because they've learned to walk with him. And now they're impacting in jails and prisons, they're in, in offices and homes, in their churches. They might even be leading other Bible studies. They don't necessarily have to lead a journey. That's the only way we can track them, uh, honestly. But we, we, we hear about them, and we read about them, and we watch them go, and we applaud them all the way. We are applauding them because they're serving our king. And so it's immeasurable. We have not been able to effectively measure it, and quite frankly, we don't have to. We just know. We just know that these lives are making a difference because their life has been made different because of proximity of Christ, mm. because they've learned to abide. Yeah, that's right. And I think about all those marriages that have been helped. <clears throat> this isn't a marriage study. <laughs> this, yeah. is, uh, this is about abiding in Christ. I, I had a couple in one of my groups that had they, their marriage was on the rocks and they'd spent $10,000 on some sort of marriage uh, class or retreat or something uh, trying to save their marriage. And they said the journey was more impactful than all this money they spent on, on some, you know, trying to get fixed at a, at a <laughs> seminar or whatever. And, and they, we saw it, we, Missy and I saw forgiveness start coming. We saw softening toward each other. We saw them turn around and now they're ministering to lots of other couples and helping other couples and leading journey groups. So well good. Make a donation of ten thousand dollars. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Ours is a lot cheaper, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, listen, our 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 the treasure we're getting out of this is seeing their lives oh, change yeah. and knowing our knowing our king is delighted. Isn't that 
why we do what we do is because we feel his pleasure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, another thing that I think I've learned is that that this journey process God gave you is um, it works, that it really is an anointed process. And I've had people go, well, <clears throat> when are you going to change it up? You know, I mean, people get tired of the same going through the same stuff over and over again. You know, and I'm thinking to me, that question is like, well, why do why that's like saying, why won't you change the Bible up? Because all we're doing is guiding people to God's word. And it's living and active and it's new every morning. And, uh, you know, there's something new to be found. And so uh, there's no there's no reason. You know, it's a simple formula that guides people to or simple process, I guess. And so uh, and it works. And I think we just have to stay focused on that. Well, after 20 years of experience with this, that every one of the people that I have heard such as that from. uh, It is true that they don't know what the journey is about. Mm. Uh, they they recommend changes because they're looking at it from a, either a businessman's grid or an organizational grid, or they're looking at it from a logic grid. Uh, and we have said all along that, you know, the, the journey's not logical. Mm. Uh, it's counterculture. It's, it's counter to business. The whole ministry of influences is counter to business practices. Uh, we're legal and we're going to stay ethical and integrous, but uh, our mission is to, you know, walk with Jesus, let him have his way with us. And ultimately, I find people don't understand that. They don't want to, actually. It frightens them to think that they would be released into so much control. And so what happens is if you have people that are trying to maintain control, then they try to restructure things so that they can control it. But we don't have anything we can control here. And if we start trying to control it, we lose it. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm saying all along. This is his thing, not ours. Mm. We are just trying to be faithful to to follow his leadership. And, and I look at this not as an author. I look at this as a recipient and, uh, and, and a steward. And as long as I can to, to continue to pass on relevant things that I think will protect it. And then the second, third, fourth generations like yourself and the ones that follow you will have to carry that mantle. They'll have to understand the stewardship of that for it to continue to sustain. It's not, it's not about perpetuating a ministry. Uh, It's about enabling a movement that will continue to grow to Christ's return. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. Well, and, and I'm just thinking about other things that we've learned. And I, I think that we're in a journey group, we're teaching an individual to start giving their life to Jesus fully and let the Holy Spirit lead their life, letting him prune if where needed and letting, you know, living the consecrated life where you're just really trusting the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what we've learned is that's the way God wants us to run the ministry too. He wants us to go where we're invited, to follow where he's inviting us. And and what we tend to do if we get in the flesh is we tend to say, no, this looks like surely he wants us to do this. Surely that he would want us to go in this mega church or that. We start thinking with our you know strategy in our brains. 
and the door's not open. And so some guys like me that are the the A types will want to go knock the door down because we're just sure it's from him. And then there's all these other open doors that we might miss and ignore while we're trying to get to our agenda. Yeah. You know, and so I think we're learning and trying to train our leaders uh just to just to take it slow and and follow the spirit and just be intentional and and really in prayer and see where he's inviting you, see where the open doors are around mm-hmm. you. You know, uh, we have, a, I think, one of the, the most wonderful global board, and our regional boards are as well. Uh, but we, we meet with our global board here. The regional boards are out in different parts of the country, so we don't meet with them personally. You and I don't. Um, know them all and love them all, too. But our global board here is interesting because we want to make sure that it's not just a matter of chemistry. It's a matter of heartbeat. And we want to make sure as we bring on new board members that they understand what we're trying to protect and nurture here. And, and we're not asking them to come on to, to be the successful businessman to show us how to do something. That's, that's, not, that's not our strategy. Uh, in fact, we want them to come on and apprentice for a while. So with our new board members, we, we have a six-month apprentice program. They come in. And they they serve on the board, but they're not voting members. And we want them to just catch the the heart of it, the spirit of it, and to see how we are. And it's and it's all about inside out. It's nurturing our our soul and our spirit individually and in unity with each other. And then from that basis, then we make make decisions. We we determine a course that we feel like God's leading us. And so somebody comes on and they're not familiar with that, they're going to try to bring what they are familiar with. And if they're a successful banker, then they're probably going to bring in uh, financial uh, aspects that they are guarded over, watch over, involved with. If you have an attorney, he's going to come in and he's going to be more litigious. He's going to be concerned about litigation. He's going to be very protective and guarded. And all of those are good, but they're not enabled by the spirit. And so what we want to do is we want to get their hats off from their enterprise that they have outside. We want them to come in in a different frame of mind, a different spirit, and then come to learn what that looks like before they are engaged in the leadership. And not a lot of boards do that, Brian. And elder boards or corporate boards either. They don't do it that way. Um, but we do it that way because we feel like the DNA is so, so important to protect. Mm-hmm. And this is where you protect it right there. That's right. Well, I think we're about out of time on this podcast, but I just wanted to keep talking about some of the things that we've seen and learned. And uh, hopefully maybe this will be uh, helpful to some people who are just getting to know the ministry. There's new people finding us all the time, which is really exciting. And uh, so uh, I'm going to indulge you next week for one more part four. This will be the final. final <laughs> oh, I don't thing. believe that. I bet you'll be going <laughs> part six and seven. <laughs> you pull that on me every week. Oh, well, one more. One more. <laughs> well, next week, I'd like to talk about where do we see the future of this ministry going? What, you know, maybe maybe if we feel like we can learn from the past, we can see where, where God may be taking it. But again, we don't know for sure because he's calls a lot of audibles, but we'll talk about that next week. But uh, thank you, Rocky. Uh, 
Well, all of you out there, this is the Influencers Network podcast. Uh, we would love to help you understand more about what we do with our nine-month discipleship process called The Journey. So you can go to influencers.org and learn more about that. We've got a actually a new website coming in a few weeks that uh, we're excited to show off. We just hope it'll be a easier for people to find us and even easier for all of you influencers out there to find everything you need as far as resources and curriculum and information and all that. So that's coming soon. So we're excited about that. So anyway, uh, I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.